We're back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike Detail along with the Cajun Cannon, Bobby Bear. Steve Geller will join us at 545 for Triple Option. At 520, we'll have our First American Bank uh, Senior Bowl interview with Jeff Nowak. Bob, uh, we didn't get a chance to talk to it in the first hour, but the Saints uh, have some talks in line to restructure the contract of Derek Carr. Uh, Jeff Duncan uh, from NOLA.com will join uh, the group here at 620. And this would, uh, from everything that we see here, to potentially would kind of financially hook the Saints up with Carr for not just one season, but I think if you look at it, it would probably be two more seasons. Well, uh, it, and it, so it, devil's in the uh, details of a contract. Well, uh, listen, I want somebody way smarter than me to explain this. Uh, but my understanding, if you stay as the contra- uh, contract is, that Derek Carr, for sure, I've, I've told you this, I've said this during the season throughout, uh, he's the quarterback next year. Now, uh, 2025, I don't know. But if they restructure the deal to make it uh, Saints-friendly, and, uh, you know, it's all about how much money, dead money, and what you have to eat and all that, that if it is Saints-friendly and Derek Carr still thinks, uh, because, you know, when you restructure deals, uh, they turn, like, uh, salary into signing bonuses, so you're getting guaranteed money and all that, and and how you're dealing with uh, the salary cap. If it's restructured, Derek Carr... Who that nation is the quarterback not only for next year but 2025? I want uh, you know uh, I'm gonna get the experts on to elaborate more on that. But I'm telling you, if they change up that deal, they're thinking that Derek Carr is the quarterback of the future, and the future is to me anything more than one year. Now that doesn't mean you're not drafting a young quarterback or uh, whether Hayner is gonna work out. I mean, I, I don't know if they think they might be able to develop him. But if they restructure, and that's final, with Derek Carr, he's not only the quarterback for 2024, but also 2025. Yeah, and, and I, that, that story a couple, uh, I think it was a couple hours back, Luke Johnson from NOLA.com yeah. uh, broke that story that there are plans and there is a structure uh, to redo Derek Carr's contract. And we were talking about it before we got on the air that – Okay, if you're going to have that voidable year taken away, that means most likely adding another year because it was only sort of guaranteed for 2024. But if you're going to restructure this financially, it would seem to me that it's going to be more than a one-year deal. It'll be a second year. Well, uh, and I can tell you this, uh, the Saints – and that's why the players, uh, they've been all for one, one for all. They've been all for the team. Uh, that whether it's Lattimore or a number of players, how the Saints have gone about their business to uh, to deal with the salary cap and kind of push it down the road is that the players and their advisors, their agent, they ain't giving them no damn money. I can tell you that right now. No, the money stays the same. <laughs> so it's all about how can you help the Saints with the salary cap and how much money, if it doesn't work out, you'd have to eat versus, okay, we can eat this and go forward. By them restructuring, it, it, it would it would help the Saints, and uh, that's why uh, you know. So we're we gonna get Jeff Duncan on because I, I think yeah, Luke Jeff Johnson, will come on at six twenty. Oh, because okay, Jeff, I don't know if you're listening. I want you to explain to me <laughs> that I, I want to know by them restructuring, 
why, uh, because my understanding, if they stay uh, the contract as is, then, okay, it's kind of like you're the quarterback next year, but then it'd be more Saints-friendly in, uh, in, in 2025, where if you restructure, it's almost you have to live with Derek Carr for another two years. Bob, that's what you're reading into it, not knowing all the details to it, and I'm sure that will come out. And, again, this is – it's not – a done deal yet, but right, it right. looks as though it's moving yeah, in that direction. And, all, yeah. and that's what Luke uh, Johnson got that information, that it looks as though that it is definitely moving in that direction. Well, the only thing I, that I could say, and, um, you know, and I brought this up to Mickey Loomis, we did that hour-long uh, press conference, and I think this is a bunch of BS. Uh, now, Mickey might say, no, Bobby, that, that, we don't do that. Uh, no, uh, if you got all this money invested in Derek Carr, uh, why in the hell you don't confront or uh, consult with him about who he wants at offensive coordinator? Even Drew Brees said you got to go to the to the, yes. to the quarterback. Yeah, oh, come on. Uh, when you got that uh, the, the the monetary uh, uh, value involved with a contract and a quarterback, if you want him to succeed, and what you have invested in him. Don't you want maybe the best individual that can work with him and to have the utmost success? So that's why I'm just saying, so, oh, no, we, we don't uh, – we pick who we want and then we tell the quarterback, no. Uh, no I know Derek Carr don't have the skins on the wall of Drew Brees, but even Drew Brees said Derek Carr where he's at, I mean, ain't his first shorty. Oh, he's a, 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 a 10-year veteran. Is that he's definitely – Whoever's the offensive coordinator. He will have some impact. Oh, uh, come on. Uh, come on. That, that's common sense. Let's go to our Oakland Hard Jewelers talking text line. Let's go to James. James, you're in the huddle with Bobby and Mike. Yeah, that's frustrating news, guys. Uh, you know, I, you know I, I call you guys, you know, at nauseam. James, haven't we talked about this is not a shock, right? And, uh, and James, I, I love <laughs> not a shock. I, I love you when you make me nauseated. Uh, you call me a nauseated, <laughs> yeah. and I, I love it. Yeah, well, well, well I'm, 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 I'm throwing up right now because you know it, it, this is such an unattractive uh, position as the OC if you got a middling quarterback. And I'm just being honest, you know, we got a middling quarterback right now. We got a, a coach. A head coach that's below 500, and we got Asian players and a, a salary cap that you know is every year is, is the highest. And you, you make it work, but you, but you're pushing this stuff back, and you got you. you that, this is why. You, what, yeah, we constantly push it down the road, and the credit card yeah, eventually is going to come due. You're going to have to pay. So no, so no good OC is going to want. Now I think Drew, when you had when you guys had Drew on yesterday. It almost made me feel like, you know, could he really? I mean, who would be better? Who would be a better OC than Drew? But he's got to want it. I mean, you know. No, it's not that he doesn't want it, James. His kids are too young. I'm telling you, Drew Brees, whether it's a political lifestyle and what he wants to get involved in. If it's a front uh, office uh, position uh, 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 on an NFL team. No, he's trying to be a good father, a good dad, a good family man. Uh, You know. Once your kids Why get so, older, now, so. now James, think about this. Once your kids get older, then the dad's not cool anymore. But you want to be involved in their life early on, and then all of a sudden, you know, they have their lives. You're still involved with them, but then you still have a lot left in the tank. And uh, it might be like uh, Drew Brees, his wealth of knowledge. He could be fifty some years old. Whether he wants to be a politician, 
or a coach. I know he knows what the hell he's doing. And so I think if he wants to do that, he'll have that opportunity. But the timing is not just right now because of his kid's age, if that makes sense. Hey, James, you and Bobby, you, you'll get a good kick out of this. Uh, the Washington Commanders are expected to hire Cowboys defensive passing game coordinator Joe Witt Jr. as their new defensive coordinator. Now, Dan Quinn leaves, and his chief assistant was Joe Witt Jr., so now Joe is following Dan to Washington. So a whole new staff of defensive coaches, so to speak. Going with the Cowgirls. Uh, with the Cowboys. So how about that? Uh, and that's just – and Aaron Wilson is reporting that. Aaron has got some really, really good sources there in, uh, in that Texas area. So Joe Witt Jr., and a lot of people felt he would be the successor to Dan Quinn in Dallas. He's following Dan to Washington. So uh, it'd be interesting to see what Jerry Jones thinks about uh, does he Does he contact Mike Rabel? Does he contact Ron Rivera, former head coaches, to try to take over? Because Mike all, all is an ex- offensive-oriented coach. Yeah, and, and, and all their experience. Uh, yeah. Um, no, that, that, that'll be interesting to see what's going to happen with Dallas. But you know what? It doesn't matter who they get to coach uh, the Cowgirls. They ain't going to win Jack. <laughs> uh, they ain't winning nothing. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm telling you. Uh, Dallas. Okay, do you trust, and I like Dak Prescott from Houghton, Louisiana. Do you trust Dak Prescott or the Cowgirls, what it would take to be Super Bowl champs? you got to win a bunch of games in the postseason. I'm not talking about in the regular season. Listen, I've been part of teams where I won uh, 12 games twice in the regular season. I won 11 games. I won 10 games. I didn't win Jack. Well, Dak Prescott, he ain't won Jack. Okay, now think about this. Now they say, oh, can Dallas at least get to the NFC Championship? Okay, so what if you get to the NFC Championship? Now you got to win that, and then you got to win the Super Bowl. I'm telling you, Jerry Jones is going to be dead uh, before they win a Super Bowl. I'm telling you, that's what's going to happen. Watch, I'm telling you. (laughs) The trial balloon went up for me is when they traded for Trey Lance. Oh, uh, that, that maybe this isn't all set up uh, with Dak, for Dak Prescott. Don't know how they're going to pay him in the future and all that with Dak. Trey right now is sort of cheap labor. You ain't paying him anything. Now, he hasn't proven anything. He hasn't proven, he hasn't anything, proven nothing. But everybody trusts the 49ers organization with Trey Lance. Look what the 49ers gave up to get Trey Lance. Now, they lucked out with Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant. But, uh, okay, don't you think most people trust the 49ers scouting department and what they gave up for Trey Lance. So they might say they, they must be. wanted Trey to work th- out th- th- so th- th- much. Th- there must be something there. So I, I, I think uh, Dallas eventually might give Trey Lance an opportunity over Dak Prescott. The thing, I don't know. The thing with Trey, and I, I sort of felt bad for him, is that he only played one year, one game. He played like 14 games at Come North on. Dakota State. Uh, th- that's nothing in college football. Now you're expecting to take over an NFL offense? People ah, think uh, uh, this ain't playing in your backyard of high school football. People think Trey Lance is like Jordan Love from Utah State. Jordan Love played way more games, many uh, more than, than Trey Lance. Come Absolutely, on. and, and Jordan Love was outstanding with the Packers. I'm glad we played the Packers early on in the season, and not late. Compared to at the end, that's a shame. We should have been three and zero. How in the hell we have a 17 point lead with 12 points with 12 minutes left? You got to be kidding me. We'll be back with more sports talk here on the. Big 870, and we'll have on with us uh, Jeff Nowak 
Uh, he'll join us here to talk about Senior Bowl right after this break on the Big 870. We're back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike Detail along with the Cajun Cannon, Bobby Bear, And our Senior Bowl update is brought to you by the spirit of First American Bank, a banking tradition since 1910. And live and direct, I guess, from Mobile, we got Jeff Nowak, uh, St. Sideline reporter, WWL digital content producer. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us again. Um, Before we get into the Senior Bowl talk, uh, the news uh, Luke Johnson uh, wrote out uh, a couple hours ago, and the potential of a deal uh, restructuring by Derek Carr and the Saints. Uh, y- your thoughts on that? Because you know, we always thought, okay, the way it was structured before, it's it's basically a two-year deal in and out. Uh, you can kind of get out of there. Uh, w- with the restructure, Bobby and I were talking about this, this would seem to add another year to that deal. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't, it doesn't. It, it, it really, so the difference is you're looking at it and saying you can get out of it with a, reasonably low dead cap number in two years if you don't touch it at all if you restructure gotcha. it right, right then down the road if you do intend to move on it will be more costly um but i just think you know it, when you when you look at the numbers and I, and I went through all of this you know a couple of weeks ago in terms of you know how how many contracts do you have to restructure to get under the salary cap is always a number um, and, and the fact of the matter is, is you're trying to figure that out. You're looking at $87 million that you got to clear. Mike Thomas, it really looks like that's going to be a split. So that's going to be a very expensive contract to try to navigate. You have, you, you're going to have dead cap hits from guys like James Winston, assuming he's gone. There's a question on Andres Pete, but that's going to be another big number if he's not here. So you look at these and you have a lot of contracts that you can restructure, but the big hulking number at the top, is Derek Carr with 23 yep. million that you can clear with that contract alone. And so I think it comes down to, is this team committed to Derek Carr this year? The answer is yes. So you start there and you say, okay, it will make our life a whole lot easier this season in terms of how many of these contracts we actually have to mess with. If we restructure that, that gets us a quarter of the way there on one contract. So it's just a sensible decision now, obviously, if, if you're of the hope that the Saints go one more year with Derek Carr and then he's out the door, that does make it more unlikely. Yeah. It does make it a lot more likely that you end up bringing him back for a third season just because, like I said, you will be more financially tied to him. But I always thought this was the most likely scenario just because it's just you, you didn't you're not going to short short sight this year and make things a whole lot more difficult for yourself when this was probably the plan all along. Um, so yeah. I, I think it makes sense. It's just going to make everything a lot easier. And, and it gets you a, if you, when, if you do end up doing that, they haven't done it yet, obviously you just, it gets you so much closer to that line you have to clear. So it just makes sense. I think. Now, uh, Jeb, before we get, get uh, like prospects at the senior bowl and mm-hmm. you look at like future guys that you could count on, uh, whether it's in the trenches or a skilled position, you know uh, who I think they, they got to uh, work out and, and, and pay him? Uh, because what other option they're going to have a left tackle? Andrews P was Andrews outstanding. P. Yep. He was outstanding. You I got mean, no choice uh, now. Th- th- that's what I think. Yeah. I mean, all of a sudden we think, oh, no, he's not going to be back. Uh, Andrews Pete, I mean, you want to talk about getting the job done. I mean, that, that was a very pleasant surprise. Because whenever you never talk about an offensive lineman, that means they're doing their job. And Andrews <laughs> Pete uh, was solid. To me, uh, even more than Ramchek, because Ramchek dealing with the knee, 
Uh, Andrews Pete be, behind McCoy, he, he might have been the second-best offensive lineman in the trenches. The thing about it is, guys, too, is it's not like he was playing left tackle in 2022. No. no <laughs> it's been a little while tackle. since he's uh, played that no, left tackle uh, spot. I, I can tell you, while we, we're having around 500, thank God for Andrews Pete. I know, I know Derek Carr appreciates him. Yeah, and my question is, you know, what is his market? Does he have a bigger market now? Because I think there will be teams I that think look, he like, does, look at Jeff. what he did and say, hey, so, it, you know, are you able to get him back for a reasonable number? And, and how I, I look at it this way, you know, this team isn't giving up on Trevor Penning at left tackle. That Mickey Loomis, Jeff Ireland, Dennis Allen, they've all been very consistent about that. But I do think you need a contingency. And I think Andres, you know, it, all of a sudden, he becomes this really interesting, versatile piece because – you do have the option of saying, hey, we're going to go into this and see what we can get out of Trevor. Maybe he can be the starter. And you can bring Andres back and say, hey, if we need him at left tackle, we have him. But then we have a Pro Bowl left guard. If if Trevor does get it sorted out and right. ends up being the starter, you can still get Andres on the field. So I agree. I think it would make a whole lot more sense to bring him back than it would to show him the door. And again, we're talking about contracts that would allow you to push his dead money down the road if you do come up with an extension. So I, I agree. I think what he did this year was impressive, and, and he deserves a new deal if they can get him back. Now, uh, Jeff, uh, look at all the potential players and the prospects. Obviously, uh, uh, we always look at upgrading uh, in the trenches, offensive, defensive line, or maybe some other uh, individual player that caught your attention. Just break that down, all what you've witnessed now at the Senior Bowl this week. Yeah, I, I know we talked, to, we talked to a good bit about uh, Taliese Fuanga, which I asked him how to say his name, and he, and he told me that's how to say it, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. mark that one down. Uh, but, you know, I, the guy who really caught my attention as the week went on, and I think this was true of a lot of people, was Darius Robertson, yes. uh, Robinson, rather. Uh, you know, he's – I don't even know what to call him. He's a def- he can play end, he can play inside. He's 6'5", 284 pounds, but he's just – he just moves, you know, you would never, I, I had to, I looked, looked it up on the roster after watching him for a couple of plays. And I was like, this guy's 284 pounds. And he's just embarrassing people. You know, like I saw him matched up with Tyler Guyton in the one-on-ones and he just blew him off the line. You know, it's, it's really impressive. And he, you know, we, we talked to Jeff Ireland about the prototypes and maybe you start airing toward the, smaller, speedier edge rushers. And I think I said earlier in the week, I don't think this is the year that you really do that. But if you're looking for that prototype, he's it. 6'5", 280 <laughs> pounds, 34-inch arms, he's that guy. And I think he's going to start flying up draft boards, yeah. I think, after this week. Jeff, he's 25 for me. I, I, I don't know mm-hmm. if he gets to 25. Uh, he, he may have put on that type of show. Who he reminds me of, a little bigger version of Montez Sweat. He's versatile, mm-hmm. that he can play defensive tackle, but he's going to play defensive end uh, in the NFL. But he reminds me a lot of Montez, the way he's built, the way he comes off the ball, his pass rush skills. And I remember when LSU played Missouri, we were looking at different guys each and every week, you know, Herb Tyler and I, and I brought him up, and he was like, Mike, can he play? I was like, yeah, he can play. I mean, uh, and, he, and he was a really good player for Missouri, and, but there were a lot of other really good players around him, and he was, it was team-oriented. You could see what Blake was doing there with his defense, and that was a big part of Missouri's success. But I think yeah, Robinson's nice. got one of those type skill sets that have, you uh, look at him and say, that dude can play. 
you know, it's it's funny. I talked to him after yesterday's practice. <laughs> we asked him who who his uh, game resembles, and he he said he he thinks his game is a combination of Max Crosby and Chris Jones. What? Oh, if for, he's uh, on that level, <laughs> send him to the Saints right no, now. No, I don't know about that. No, but but, if, uh, if, but if, I get it what he's talking if about. He's thinking that. What? I, I mean, I like the confidence. Yeah. Well, he got a plenty of them if he's comparing himself to Max and uh, Chris. Right. Uh, on the offensive side, the football, and we saw it. And you and I talked about this. I think two days ago about how the quarterbacks, you know, because they're not used to the receivers. Man, you see it, man, it's high, it's wide, it's low, and and finally you get a little bit of a connection. And just when it starts to kind of get to you with the receivers and the quarterbacks, ah, game day. Uh, Get out there and you don't know who's throwing you the ball, who's playing receivers. But you saw a little bit better each day, I think, from – a connection with accuracy because you have no idea if you're a Washington quarterback or Oregon quarterback and you're throwing the football to somebody you've never been on the field. It reminds me a little bit of Manning, passing academy. It's the same mm-hmm. thing there. People say, well, who looks great there? Okay, they might have threw the football well, but they're not used to that receiver. There is that fine line there about throwing the football well and being accurate. Yeah, what I'll say for this week, you got really good weather, and it sounds silly, but you know, a couple of years ago it was raining and windy the whole time. You know, there's a reason they have pro days indoors, right? Yeah, you, you want right, the, right. the ideal scenario. I don't like. I don't need to know how this guy throws a wet ball. I need to know how he plays quarterback. No, oh, um, you'd have to look as Michael Penix against what Oregon State. I mean, yeah, uh, you, right. you talk about the inclement weather. I mean, that, no, that, he that, told me the story, Jeff, that he had been in Tampa. And he said, um, he used the term, I threw a hot, wet ball. Because when you play it in Florida, he said, I threw a hot, wet ball. That means he has big hands. And he, you know, he, he got some mitts. So he says, I go to Indiana, but I get hurt. He says, the first game I play in that type of weather, he said it was a late October game. I go to throw the football on a little out pattern. And he said, the ball slips out of my hands. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm not used to throwing the football. And he used the term, it's cold, wet, and it's rainy. And so he said, I had to learn how to re-grip the ball because I'd never played in that sort of environment before. He said, I played in hot, wet weather, but I never played in cold, wet weather with wind. And, Bob, I know you've talked about it. That's the worst thing in the world, the wind part of oh, things. No, 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 it, it's the wind. I'm telling you, a wet ball drill and you do all that, uh, but you get a wet ball in the wind, uh, you better have a cannon. Uh, you, you better have a, a strong arm. And, uh, you know, I always talked about this. Joe Ferguson uh, from Woodland High School in Shreveport. He goes to University of Arkansas. He's a first-team All-American. He goes to Buffalo. And, you know, uh, that's why you got a Jared Allen. And you look up, uh, you know, Josh Allen, I should say, uh, up there in Buffalo. That uh, Ferguson told me he'd be leading uh, the AFC in passing come September, October. And he come November and is blowing off the lake and all. I'm trying to throw a simple out route, and it might be uh, not really snowing, but kind of like sleeting, and the ball doesn't have a chance to get there. <laughs> and he's like, I, and I know I'm throwing it the same way that I threw it in September, but no, that there, it don't there, work that no, way. No, that there is a craft. So when Penix, when I I I, I want to say I don't think he even threw it for 200 yards. It might have been uh, 170, 180. 
But the precise a uh, couple of throws he made to beat Oregon State was unbelievable. Because that was a bad weather game. Yes. And it uh, was it, super it, it, windy. Beyond bad weather. So, uh, that, For people uh, questioning the, the, the his scouts, arm strength. The, the scouts know that. His arm strength. I'm like, man, that's the last thing I'm going to question uh, with uh, Penix. Think, uh, come I on. Think he showed, I think he showed well this week. You know, I, I, I think everyone struggled. Yesterday a little bit. They're, I think they're just incorporating the like they're learning this very simple offense, but they're working with the receivers like you mentioned. The funny thing is, you, you see Jaquan Jackson. It's like, wow, that connection looked great, and he's like, oh yeah, Michael Pratt's throwing the ball. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, but you know, I, I think I've been calling them the Knicks, the Knicks brothers, because you got Bo Nix and Penix, <laughs> uh, but they both looked good today. You had the red zone work, and you really saw those two shine. And Sam Hartman was in those drills too, and I think it was you know no. No disrespect to Sam, but he's just on a different level, and it kind of gave you some appreciation for what Penix and Knicks were able to do in these same drills, and you saw Hartman struggling, and, you know, Penix had some really nice throws. He had a really nice connection to Luke McCaffrey uh, in the back of the end zone. He's a wide receiver. Uh, it's Christian's brother. You know, Bo Nix had a couple to Devontae Walker that were really impressive, and, you know, I, I, I see both of those guys as, as developmental. I don't know if they're first-round picks. I could see a team taking him late first round and, and planning to sit him behind someone for a year or two. I don't think either is ready to start right away, but they're both good players. I could see both being starting quarterbacks in the NFL. I didn't see anything this week that, that I was really discouraged by. I didn't see anything this week that I was like, man, this guy's got to be a top 15 pick either. Right. Um, but both those guys are good players. Dallas no, Walker from North Carolina. That guy, what is that he? wide like, receiver. Now, I, I don't know if he gets out of round one, but if he get if he falls into round two, is I've got him as a second round pick. He'll probably go to the Chiefs. Watch. <laughs> it wouldn't <laughs> shock me, uh, but yeah, again, because you're picking, you know, either thirty first or thirty second. <laughs> right, right. But and so thirty second or thirty fourth is all sort of the same type player. You see the talent in him. He's a big physical receiver, and he got some giddy up like a horse out in the open field. Man, he is taking off and pulling away from people. And that impressed me once the NCAA gave him the okay that he could play at North Carolina this year. He's got some giddy up in the step. Yeah, I'd give him uh, Valdez Scantling would be my comparison. It reminds me a lot of him as a receiving prospect. The guy, you know, on the opposite side of the ball, the guy who was just making receivers look bad all week, and that includes Roman Wilson. He could lock him up a couple times. It's Quinion Mitchell, a quarterback oh. out of Toledo. Toledo. I didn't know a ton about him going in. But Toledo man, Rockets. Man, he might be – I heard some people saying he's the best defensive prospect at the Senior Bowl this week, and that's some pretty high praise. I, I agree. Toledo. I agree. I think, so, so, I think so, you'll so be Mike a top Jeff, 20 pick. Now think about this. That's why it's not an exact science. How you end up at Toledo? Yes. Why didn't you go to <laughs> Ohio State? I mean, it's in, this, in Ohio – yeah, Toledo. You're a late bloomer. Yes. Instead, at Ohio State, you had Toledo. You're not University of Michigan. And you know what people are going to question? Oh, he don't have that many stats this year. You know why? They didn't throw the ball at him. They threw it. Right. They threw it on the other side because last year they threw it at him, and he made you pay the price. So if I'm playing Toledo and I'm the pre-scout. Uh, for another team, man, what? I ain't throwing that football well, well, toward Quinion Mitchell. Uh, I'm throwing it on the other side. And you know, uh, Jeff and Mike, I wanted to ask you all this and what you observed. Because what I've observed, uh, that uh, you might say a hybrid type player, but it's almost like a big safety, but a smallish linebacker. Okay, we all know about Roquan. Uh, he leaves the Bears and goes to the Ravens. Uh, they, they, we all knew he was not going to disappoint. 
So you look at him. Who's the cat to me? Now, they lost to the Texans, but look what Cleveland did throughout the season with the Browns. I think he had some African name. I, I don't know. Who's that linebacker from the Browns uh, that, that, that I'm watching? You want to talk about a nose for the football and how he can hit it and get it. To me, watch it in teams that uh, has the instincts to, Mike, to go after that, that type of – who was that guy? But, but he played at oh, Notre Dame. Oh, 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 yeah, what was it? And the thing about him is when he came out – Joker, J-O-K. Uh, yeah, 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 J-O-K. And, yeah. and so what happened with him, he was an undersized linebacker. And so it dropped him. He was 28th on my list, I think. And he dropped until late into the second round because, well, he's not the prototype linebacker. He's prototype today because oh, he, he can run, he can a, cover, and he can best. get around blocks. He penetrates, tackles for a loss, uh, one after the other. I mean, I'm like, uh, I don't know how the game's changing and all it that. Has changed. The linebacker position body type has changed dramatically uh, throughout the years. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Also, thanks all for the sound that uh, you got for us here that we'll play in our 6 o'clock uh, time frame. All right. Thank you, Jeff. For sure, y'all. All righty. Uh, the Senior Bowl update is brought to you by the spirit of First American, a banking tradition since 1910. We come back triple option right after this break. We're back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike to tell you along with the Cajun Cannon, Bobby Hebert. We're joined on triple option. Uh, which uh, our feature where we give our top takes on the top stories in sports today. And Steve Geller joins us. I'm going to do mine first. I uh, talked about it earlier that the Miami Dolphins wanted Chris Shula to go in the interview for their defensive coordinator spot. Well, Sean McVay says none of that. The Rams are now promoting their pass rush coordinator and linebackers coach Chris Shula, the grandson of Don Shula, to their defensive coordinator spot. So he's not leaving L.A. to go to Miami. And uh, Sean McVay did not want him to leave the building. He is the replacement for Raheem Morris in Los Angeles. Well, uh, networking, who you're familiar with, and uh, that you uh, were born and raised on football. I mean, uh, uh, Shula. <laughs> uh, you hear that name, uh, Shula. Uh, yeah, that, 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 uh, there's a lot of people that uh, can relate to that name. Bob? Mike, uh, you know, I talked about earlier about, uh, you know, it's a corporate event. Can you go to a Super Bowl? I mean, the common man can't go to a damn Super Bowl. How, how in the hell are you going to go? I mean, I, when I saw this, I mean, it just goes to show. I, I, I told you, I went to the Super Bowl on a $9 ticket. Now, uh, this is an early 70s, but it was still uh, 9 bucks. I sat at Tulane Stadium before they had the Superdome and, and uh, I want to say the North End Zone. But I wasn't like in the nosebleed, and it was like nine bucks. So I'm looking at right now the average purchase price. <laughs> now, this is from Tick Pick. Uh, now, this is on Monday, so middle of the week. Uh, we're still waving the Super Bowl. was $9,815. Average price. Average, right. Average purchase price uh, by Tick Pick, uh, $9,815. That was Monday morning. That's nearly double the final average price. Of five thousand seven hundred ninety-five for last year's game between the Chiefs and the Eagles in Glendale, Arizona. I think it does matter where the game's at, you know, location and all that. Oh, you ready to be in Las Vegas or Glendale? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, whatever. You know, Vegas, whatever. But it's also more than the previous high in Tampa, Florida, seven thousand forty-six in twenty twenty-one between the Buccaneers and the Chiefs. Now, uh, the reason why that total they were saying was that high, uh, the stadium. 
was at 33% capacity because of COVID. Remember the COVID restrictions? So the demand for each ticket obviously uh, was increased. But if you look right now and what uh, Brett Goldberg, uh, the tick, uh, pick uh, CEO, said, uh, location has always impacted demand for Super Bowl ticket. Uh, but Vegas takes things uh, to a whole different level because it's the intercap- entertainment capital of the world. Of course, like New Orleans a destination, Las Vegas is a de- destination, not even StubHub. You know, like TickPick, StubHub, a similar demand on the average price. They had their tickets at $9,300. Uh, TickPick had 9800 So it's all relative. But the Super Bowl two years ago, the average at the same time uh, was right under 10000 for a game in Englewood in L.A., Hollywood, you know, Englewood, California, when they had a hometown team in the Rams versus the Bengals. So the bottom line is, uh, if, if, if you're going to, uh, if your kid says, Dad, why don't you take me to the Super Bowl? Uh, well, I mean, come on. The, the common man can't afford that. And, Bob, and, uh, you can buy 200 pounds of crawfish with that 9000 <laughs> <laughs> The way crawfish prices are. Yeah, right. <laughs> Steve. Uh, guys, today a little taste of some black and gold action. The Pro Bowl skills competition, and you've got Rashid Shaheed and Demario Davis taking part. Double D is going to be in the uh, Pro Bowl dodgeball challenge, and then Rashid Shaheed will be taking part in the high stakes challenge. That's when the players start off with two footballs in their hand. Then each player is going to attempt to catch punts from the jugs machine. Each player that succeeds in catching the ball without dropping others will advance to the next round and then uh, attempt to catch more football. So, so go Shahid and go Demario tonight. So, uh, okay, Steve and Mike, I think probably <laughs> the fans are more interested in uh, these type of events instead of actual game because they weren't tackling. No, now and now it's a, a flag football yeah, game flag on Sunday. Football. But wait, uh, I, I can tell you right now, you know, it was high scoring events. Nobody's tackling. When I played in the Pro Bowl in 1994, uh, it was me, Brett Favre, and Steve Young was the NFC quarterback. It's a pretty good lineup. And so uh, <laughs> I went in the game with four minutes left in the third quarter, and it was like three to three. They were really tackling back then. I can tell you right now, we won 17 to three. Wow. And I, I threw Chris Carter. You remember the Vikings? Uh, touchdown pass in the Pro Bowl. That's all he does is catch touchdowns. Uh, but I never forget. Uh, he does it good, too. I, I, had, really good. I had the same agent uh, as Howie Long, Lyle Zato. And uh, I was changing up the snap count. I got Howie Long to jump off sides a couple of times. <laughs> that didn't uh, yeah, No, he was like, Avery, it's a Pro Bowl. What are you mixing up the snap count? I go, well, I don't want you to hit me and stuff. <laughs> no, and they were still really tackling in 1994. Now, to show you how things have changed. Now we got flag uh, football. So that's like four, four. So 30 years later, uh, the actual game is not even football no more. It's right. like, uh, I don't know, a competition. No, it's flag football. Hey, that's what you see today. So it is these competition deals. Yeah, but what was the competition? Uh, they used to have some show on ABC. Someone oh, I remember Texas that for oh. sure. Battle yeah. of the Network. Yeah, stars. Battle of the Stars. <laughs> battle of the Stars. That's what the NFL Pro Bowl is now, the Battle of the Stars. Yeah. Old school. I think they might have started. <laughs> it used to be seven. on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Remember they remember that. It was like, yeah, it's like it the NFL be. Pro Bowl is now Battle of the Stars. I do miss when the NFL did have their skills competition, but nobody wants to do that anymore. With You know, with the quarterbacks. Yeah, the quarterbacks. 
how far they could throw. And I guess and, everyone's too worried about their arms. I don't want to hurt my arm. Exactly. Yeah, I don't yeah, want to yeah, hurt yeah, my yeah, arm yeah. on my shoulder. All right, guys, we'll be back with more Sports Talk here on the Big 870 right after this break. We're finishing up here in our number two of Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike Detail along with the Cajun Cannon, Bobby Bear, Steve Geller, and at 620, uh, Jeff Duncan will call on, come on with us, and he'll be able to talk about – the uh, potential restructuring of the contract of Derek Carr and sort of what it means. We, we've sort of believed that if you're going to restructure, that's going to mean you're added, you're taking away that get out of kind of whatever card that, that void you have, year. that voidable year after 2024 and extend this to 2025. Well, well, this has to be a joke here. Uh, look at his text. He's not even from <laughs> no, he's Louisiana. he's pulling your leg. Yeah, yeah, uh, 60, uh, let me see, 68-25. Uh, is Bobby joking when he said he played in a 1994 Pro Bowl? Not only did I play, I never forget when I went in the game, Reggie White said, I have so many family members. Hey, bro, we got to win this game. I want to win the extra $20,000. Don't tell them to what they To pay for the trip? Yeah, to pay for all the family and the relatives and all that. No, no, no telling what they get now with the collective bargaining agreement. But Reggie White told me, come on, Bobby, uh, it was 3-3. Three to three. Look, Steve Young and Brett Favre didn't do jack. I win the game. I let him do two touchdowns, and we won 17-3. to three. Usually that's a shootout. That's what occurred. That's we'll, a fact. We'll be back with more sports talk right after this news break.